because I just feel like the, the Lord's spoken to me today. And there's someone here, maybe it's several people that are here today, that for whatever reason in your life, you've convinced yourself that God is not for you. Whatever circumstances it is that have led to, to that thought process, that belief, maybe financially you're not where you thought you'd be at this point in time in your life, maybe because of relationship issues, because other people were able to, to, to turn the shoulder and walk away from you. You feel like God has done the same thing to you. Maybe in a, in a moment of loneliness, in a moment where you felt like you were all alone and there was no one else there, that, that it was hopeless and helpless and that you had nobody and nothing to turn to. You felt like God wasn't there for you in that moment, but I want you to know today that he's willing to stop this service to tell you that he loves you. It's more than just the lyrics to a song, but you, you've sensed his presence here today. You know that he's here and he's moving and you've kind of given him the cold shoulder and he said, I'm, it's not, it's not for me. He doesn't want to talk to me. He doesn't have a message for me. He doesn't love me. He doesn't have a plan for me. And he wants you to know today that it's the furthest thing from the, from the truth that God loves you, that regardless of the situations and circumstances in your life, regardless of whatever you've been through, regardless of whatever you're going through right now, regardless of the finances and the relationships and the lack of purpose that you may feel that God does love you and he does have a plan for your life. That he's, you've sensed his presence here today because he's trying to break through the walls that you've built to keep him out. And he wasn't willing for you to walk away today without knowing that he does love you and he does have a plan for your life. as we sing this again, just worship him with all of your heart. Don't allow that wall to remain there. Don't allow the chains to keep you, holding you back. You put those there, not anybody else. It's time for you to lay those down. It's time for you to break those down and let his spirit in and let him do what he desires to do in your life. There's somebody here today that you've been resisting God because you felt like he's resisted you and it's not the case. He desires a relationship with you. He has a plan for your life that's bigger than anything that you can imagine. This morning, embrace it. This morning, walk into it as we worship again don't don't allow that to, to continue to happen and i want you to fully just go after it with all of your heart whoever it is that, that he's speaking to today and i believe it's at least one person but it's very possible that it's more than one that's here today that god's dealing with you god's dealing all over you maybe you've sat down and you've tried to tune it out but his presence is undeniably here and he desires to do a work in your life this morning
for how you move and how you speak and how you show up in spite of what we think or what we plan or what we prepare. Lord, you're, you know what's needed. God, I thank you for speaking to individuals across this room today. God, I thank you for the work that you've already begun to do inside hearts and inside lives. Lord, as we look to your word, God, I pray that it would fall on fertile ground, that we would open our hearts to receive what you have for us today. Lord, that it would change us, that it would cause us to be like you, that we would walk out of this room different than we were when we came in here, that we'd walk out with a purpose. We'd walk out with your word in our hearts, lived out in our lives. We thank you for that. We thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you just give him a standing ovation this morning? You got this worship team also know how much you appreciate them. Yeah. Sometimes I thought if I was a Baptist, my friends wouldn't think I was so weird in church. <laughs> but there's nothing like being in the presence of the Holy Spirit, Him doing what He desires to do. Uh, today, if you'll turn your Bibles to Psalm 127, verse 1, we're going to begin a new sermon series today called Heart for the House. And uh, so I was reflecting on October 2018, this last month at New Life Church. I think that maybe um, that was my favorite month as a pastor of New Life Church. It seems like 
the problem is though that every new month becomes my new favorite month because this is exciting what God is doing. There's new things that are happening. God's moving in big ways. All of a sudden, November is like high in the ranking for new favorite month, right? Um, but I think that October is my favorite month because there's so many good things that happen. And I can't spend too long on this because Celebration Sunday is next week. And it seems like we almost need two weeks to celebrate all that God's doing over the period of time that we have. Uh, but let me give you a little bit of preview, and we'll celebrate these things bigger and more things next week. But um, in October, God just continued to bless our church, and it continued to grow. And we had over 100 people in a service twice in the month of October. Not once, but the first time ever, but we had it twice. It wasn't just a, a fluke thing, like everyone decided to come to church on one Sunday. It was, that's awesome. And our Bible classes are growing. I was in, in the Bible classes last week taking pictures, and I was thinking, my goodness, before we run out of room in the sanctuary for, for seats, we're going to run out of room for these Bible classes. And that's exciting because people are growing and learning more about the Lord. And the kids are excited about Junior Bible Quiz. And they're going to go to Riverton this next week and compete. And it's that's awesome. And our youth group is doing exciting things. For one, we have a youth group. And they went to convention this weekend. And it's just exciting. We had multiple leaders that were there uh, leading our group. And that's that's those are exciting things that are happening. We hosted our missions convention in October. And if you know anything about me, I love missions. I grew up in a, on the mission field as a missionary kid. I speak fluent Spanish. I grew up in Africa. Those th things seem like they're distinct opposite things that shouldn't be at the same time. But it's, it's true. I grew up in the only Spanish-speaking country in Africa. I lived there for eight years and um, was a part of the ministry. We didn't just watch my parents do ministry. I was a part of of the ministry. It's, it seems like a different life, but at 15 years old, I planted a church in an African village that didn't have one, and it's just incredible things. So I love missions. I love what missionaries do. I love what it represents. I love that we have missionaries in our church and that are here in the city and in our state and the country and around the world. And many of you made pledges to support missions. And we got a new flag for, for uh, Scotland that we need to hang up. It's exciting. There's good things that are happening. And I believe that we can impact our state and our country and the world. And I loved October of New Life because we focused on hearing the voice of God. And I enjoyed preaching those messages. And many of you enjoyed hearing them because it was the number one sermon download series that we had on our podcast. Some of you may not even know that we have a podcast, but we do. You can find it on our church website, newlifelaramie.org. You can also go uh, onto any of your favorite podcast apps if you have an iPhone. Their podcast app, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all of those were listed on all of those. But uh, that sermon series was our number one downloaded series ever. Um, you can hear our messages online and you can share them with your friends or rehear them or whatever you want to do. Be like, what crazy thing did he say? I need to hear that again. Go on there. Um, no promises after it leaves my mouth, right? But now November's here. And I'm going to kick off a new sermon series that is called Heart for the House. And it's exciting because what God is doing at New Life Church is exciting. And this is not to say that missions is gone. Okay, we focused on that. Now it's all about us. We're not going to be handing out, like, make New Life great again hats. Although that might be an idea for someone. You threw fundraiser. I don't know. It's not like New Life only, New Life first. That, that's not what this is about. Um, I truly believe that God is doing something special here. It's not just church as usual. There, there's a new season of growth and influence and life change that's happening at New Life Church. And we get to be a part of what God is doing. And I think it's important as we grow and expand that we all have a clear understanding of where and what our purpose is. And what God is doing and where he wants to take us as a church. So this series is not... Uh, for me to say, well, here's what I think we're going to do. Everybody needs to get in line and follow. That's not it. The, the, the heart for the house is we need to hear God because the, the house of God is not a building. It's not a location. It's, not, it's more than buildings and budgets. This is about us as the people that are called by his name here at New Life Assembly of God and what he wants to do inside of us and where he wants to take us. So, yes, I hope you pray for me as your pastor, that you pray for the leaders of the church. But I hope that you pray for yourself as a part of the house of God and what he's doing and that you're seeking God as far as what is it that you want to do? Where is it that you want to take us? And as we continue in this sermon series over the next several weeks and we come to the conclusion of 2018 and start to look at the beginning of 2019, I share with the board that we need to have an emphasis on prayer for direction of God. Where, what is it that you're speaking to us and where is it that you're taking us so that we can hear your voice? And that's what this series is all about. And we're going to begin in Psalm 127 verse 1 and then we'll spend most of our time today in Deuteronomy 
chapter 12. But this verse from Psalm 127, verse 1, is going to be the foundation for all of the sermons that we're going to preach over the course of the next several weeks. Because this is the reality of the situation. It says this, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain who build it. The house is the Lord's. He will build it. God uses us in the building process. That's exciting and scary. It should be terrifying at some points. But if we aren't fully aware that it's the Lord who's responsible for building of the house, then we can dress up and play church all day long, but that's all that's going to be accomplished at the end of the day. Yeah. Because God desires more than that for us. Oh, we can build a building and that's, that'll be awesome and it'll be exciting and all that kind of stuff. But if all we have is just a building, then ultimately that's just a monument to the accomplishment of human hands. And we want more than just that here at New Life Church. We can, through our own effort, draw a crowd of people. But without God in the midst, you can have a building full of people and a church that's still empty for all intents and purposes. And that's not God's desire for us. So for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about the house of God and the importance of it, the challenge that we have to be a part of it, and what you and I can do to be a part of the building of it. And I'm not talking about a physical building right now. I'm talking about the building as in the house of God that is New Life Church and what God desires for us to be and having the heart that God desires for us to have for what he's doing here. You know, buildings are nice. Buildings last Sometimes for decades, sometimes longer. I've been to Rome. Rome is one of my favorite places in the world. And I've seen uh, all kinds of church buildings. And uh, I've seen all kinds of exciting old structures that were built years and years and years ago. And it's amazing with how much money that we spend nowadays, uh, how little we get in comparison to how little technology they had. And the, the Colosseum is still standing there. It's crazy. Um, but... Maybe in the, in the future we'll talk about a new building for a new life. But what I want to talk to you about today is about building the house of God. And I'm not talking about something that lasts for decades. I'm talking about what God is doing inside of us and inside this community that changes lives forever. I don't want just something that's going to last for a few years and then it's gone. I don't want something that feels good today and then tomorrow we're back to the same place where we were. I want something that's going to change lives for eternity. That's what we're talking about in the house of God. That's what I believe that God wants to do at New Life. That's what I see that God's building here, and it's bigger than building buildings. So I want to take you today to Deuteronomy chapter 12, where God's getting ready to do something new, and he's taking the children of Israel into a new season. He's fulfilling the promise that he would multiply and make a great nation of them. And this is what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 12. We'll read from verse 1 all the way down to 11. It says, uh, these are the decrees and the laws you must be careful to follow. In the land that the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has given you to possess, as long as you live in the land, destroy completely all the places on the high mountains, on the hills, and under every spreading tree, where the nations you are dispossessing worship their gods. Break down their altars, smash their sacred stones, and burn their Asherah poles in the fire. Cut down the idols of their gods and wipe out their names from those places. This is heavy stuff. God tells them that there's a land that's waiting for them, that they're going to walk into the promise that God has for them. In fact, they're standing at the bank of the Jordan River, and God says, you're going to cross over this river, but first, there's something that needs to happen. First, there's something that you need to be aware of. This is not going to be easy. This is going to be a process. There's people that are in this land that you're going to have to dispossess from the land. That word dispossess, we don't use that a whole lot. Such a cute little word for what it is, right? <laughs> God's saying there's people there who think this land's their land. You're going to have to get rid of them before you can have what it is that I want you to have. You're going to have to dispossess them from the land. You're going to have to remove their name. You're going to have to remove your name because that's the only way that my name is going to be and where I'm taking you to. Verse 4, he continues to say, you must not worship the Lord your God in their way, but you are to seek the place that the Lord of your God will choose from among all your tribes to put his name there for his dwelling. To that place you will go. There bring your burnt offerings and sacrifices, your tithes and special gifts that you have vowed to give your freewill offerings and your firstborn of your herds and your flocks. There in the presence of the Lord your God and your families shall eat and shall rejoice in everything you put your hand to because the Lord your God has blessed you. You are not to do as we do here today, everyone doing as they see fit. Since you have not yet reached the resting place and the inheritance the Lord your God is giving you, but you will cross the Jordan and settle into the land the Lord is giving you as an inheritance, and he will give you rest from your enemies around so that you will live in safety. 
Then to the place the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name. This keeps repeating itself. There you're to bring everything I command to you, your burnt offerings and sacrifices, your tithes and special gifts and choice possessions that you vowed to the Lord. Some of you are getting nervous because we haven't taken up the offering yet. And you're like, oh man, he's preaching about an offering. He wants a big offering today. And that has nothing. In fact, we were supposed to have already taken the offering, but God had a different idea. So somebody remind me at the end of service, we'll do it. But this is not about an offering today. This is bigger than that. We're looking at having a heart for the house over the next several weeks. And the title of today's message is, This is My House. This is my house. How many of you have ever played sports? And you know, if you play sports, then, then you've heard someone stand up and say, Not in my house, right? Not in our house. They're not going to come. They may be a good team, but they're not going to come in our house and do that kind of nonsense here. We're going to represent. We're going to show up in our house. Right. How many of you have been on that football team? You've heard those speeches. Something interesting happened Monday night in the football game against the Dallas Cowboys. I'm going to tie in some Cowboys into this. It's an exciting day. Oh, it gets better. You just wait. You don't even know yet. It wasn't anything exciting about the game because the team barely showed up on the field. Um, it was a difficult game for a Cowboys fan to watch. The team did terrible. But what stood out the most was that the team that they were playing, one of the worst teams in the NFL, the Tennessee Titans, who looked amazing, by the way. Um, they got an interception, and the, one of the players that got the interception, he decided that he would take the celebration a little too far and disrespect the star. You gotta check this out. You gotta see for yourself what happened, because some of you might have missed it Monday night. Check this out. Since a year ago, comes up huge for Mike Frabel's defense. But they're sending Amari Cooper in. Oh, no, he did. Just keep watching. Watch what happens next. Thinking that he's got to win. Give the Titans some credit. The big interception. Bayard did after the interception. He went celebrating on the star. That doesn't go over well at this place. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... Number 31, Byron Jones, he says, no, not in my house. This is my house. You're not going to go on the star, and I don't care what our record is. I don't care if you just got an interception in the end zone. Not in my house. And he took care of business, right? In fact, it was reminiscent of a play from about 20 years ago, and this will bring a little insight to it. Check out this from Terrell Owens before he was a Dallas Cowboy, what he did. Videos come a long way in 20 years Now check this out. Yeah, it was a little bit more physical back then, right? So what you need to know about that game is Terrell Owens had actually scored a touchdown before that, and he'd run out and disrespect the star. And then Emmett Smith scored a touchdown, and he went to the star, and he said, no, this is our star. Take that. So Terrell Owens scores again, and he goes back at number 31. Yeah? George Teague says, this is my house. Get off my star. I've had enough. And so Monday night, Byron Jones says, I know what number 31 is supposed to do when someone disrespects the star. I'm the guardian of the star. Man, we could preach on this all day. This is exciting. Dallas Cowboys and Jesus. They need some Jesus. So the, we're talking about this is my house. And as we're looking at the scripture from Deuteronomy 12 today, there's something you must understand about God and his character. And that's that he's a possessive God and the Bible describes him as a jealous God. And when we think of these things in human terms, we think of them as negative characteristics. We think of, of them as character flaws. But I want you to know today that God is not flawed and his possessiveness and jealousy is not negative. The simple truth is that God is not unjustly possessive. He's the creator of all things. And so he's the rightful possessor of all things. His jealousy is not a self-centered flaw, but rather that God's rightful place is at the center of all things. And so it's not God being self-centered. It's him saying, you know what? I am the center. Everything does revolve around me. Not only that, but God wants us to be his and his alone, not only for his own glory, but because that's what's for our benefit. 
It's to our advantage that we belong to God. He created us. He knows what we're created to do and who we're created to be. And yet, God lets us choose. God lets us choose. With that choice comes consequences. But God does not promise to bless our mess. God has promised to bless our obedience. God has promised to bless us as we follow him. God has promised to bless us as we involve ourselves in the process. But God does not promise to bless the decisions that we make regardless of what he's told us to do or who he's created us to be. God tells us today that we can go into and take hold of everything he has for us. That we can claim the promise, but there's some work to be done because this is his house. If the Dallas Cowboys is a team that has lost more games than they've won and they look terrible on the football field and that they can't even, there's no sense of pride in anything that they've accomplished recent, <laughs> recently, if they can have a standard of respect for who they are, if they can say, this is my house and this is our star and don't you dare come in here and disrespect the star. You can do whatever you want to do to us on the field, but there's a, a line that we're going to draw here that you better believe that God does the same when it comes to his house. And the thing that I want you to know and that you need to know today is that God values his reputation. God values his reputation. Proverbs 22.1 says a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. There used to be a time in our society that a good name really meant something. That you didn't have to have a credit card if you had a good name. That you didn't have to look to Experian to consult how, how trustworthy and reliable a person was if they had a good name. That that was enough. And now I'm not so sure that we put enough value in a good name. In fact, people will sacrifice a good name to get ahead temporarily. They'll sacrifice a good name to win in the short term. But there was a time that wasn't the case. And with God, he makes a big deal out of his reputation and his name in the Bible. In fact, there's an entire commandment, the third commandment, that says that, that, that revolves around his name, and it says we shall not take the name of the Lord our God in vain. He takes an interest in the things that his name is applied to. He makes it clear that there's things that his name should not be associated with. He tells us that his name is holy. He tells us what his name represents, and he's concerned with how it's represented by others. God does not hold us blameless, the Bible says, when we use his name in vain. As Christ followers, when we hear someone use God's name in an unworthy manner, when they use it in a profane way, that should bother us. That should cause discomfort for us in our lives. And I think because we hear it so much and because it's become so common that it doesn't outrage us like maybe it should. But there's something that should be holy about the name of God. There's something that should be different about his name. It shouldn't be used in a commonplace way. There's power in the name of Jesus that's a big deal, and we don't even really know or realize or, or use it to its full extent that we should. It's, it's his name that breaks curses and sets the captives free. There's no other name by which we can be saved than the name of Jesus. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There's something about the name of Jesus, and we have to understand that's a big deal. Maybe you don't value your name. Maybe your name doesn't mean very much to very many people, and you can change that, by the way. But I want you to know that God's name and reputation are a big deal. They're a big deal to God, and they need to be a big deal to us. So you're saying today, what does this have to do with a heart for the house? Well, this is God's house, and this is a place that he intends to be a part of his name. And if he's going to put his name on it, then it has to mean something. I mean, this can be a, a big difference for you in your life. When you understand what it is, we're not talking about a name that goes on a building. We're talking about a name that he wants to put on us as his people. And when you understand that at the name of Jesus, that hell is going to tremble and demons are going to flee, that darkness has no power when the name of Jesus is applied, how many of you would like to see darkness tremble and demons flee from your life when you speak the name of Jesus? It's possible to you. We just don't understand the power of the name of Jesus. Instead, we, we get this feeling like hell is running rampant all over the top of us. What we need is to live our lives in such a way that the name of Jesus is proudly displayed, that that is the first place in our life. For those of you that have been in and a part of Chi Alpha, Derek's been preaching through the names of God that are attributes of his character. And for weeks, this entire semester, since this is the beginning of September, every week's a different attribute of the name of God. And it's, it's incredible. You can go on for weeks and weeks and weeks and months, and they have just talking about the name of God. His name is a big deal. He's a provider. He's a healer. There's so much to his name. Back in the passage in Deuteronomy 12, God's preparing the children of Israel to cross the Jordan River and take possession of the land that was promised to them. 
And the whole of what, he, of what he wants them to see and know and that we need to see today is that God is making it clear that, is, that if his name is going to be attached to it, then it's going to be something that's powerful. It's going to be something that's mighty and it's going to be something that's awesome and holy. He tells them, if you're going to go in and possess the land and dispossess the inhabitants, then there's some things that you're going to have to do. Why is that? Because God values his reputation. We want the promised land and we desire what God has promised, but we don't like the process that precedes the promise. God works through a process oftentimes in our lives. Some of you are going through the process right now and it's not a lot of fun. And you're wondering if the promise that God has spoken is really a promise for your life. You're wondering if there's not an easy way than the process that you're going through. If there's not some other way that you can attain the promise. But I want you to know that God works through the process to, to bring you to the promise. We don't want the process. We just want the promise. I believe that in this church that there has been some promises that have been spoken over this church that have yet to be fulfilled and accomplished. And maybe the people that they were spoken to have, have died and gone on, but God's word stands forever. And he desires and intends to accomplish what he has spoken. He's not a man that he should lie. His words are not meaningless and he's going to speak them in vain. God intends to deliver on what he's promised, but he's not going to put his name aside to something that's not worthy of his name. Right. Think about the promise that God gave to Abraham and Sarah. That their descendants would be as numerous as the sand on the seashore and as the stars in the sky. In fact, that's what we're dealing with in Deuteronomy chapter 12. As God's brought them to a point, he said, you know what, there's a promise right there. But are you ready to walk into the promise? Are you ready to receive everything that I have for you? They had wanted a child for a very long time, and God's talking about too, too numerous amount of, of offspring to be able to count. And, and they rejoiced at the promise of God because it sounded good to their ears, and it's what they wanted, but they didn't understand the process. Abraham and Sarah rejected, uh, rejoiced at the promise, but they rejected the process, and they tried to bring it about by their own means. And when we do that, you often get an Ishmael. When you reject the process of God in your life, you end up with Ishmael. They tried to do it on their own way. They tried to do it outside of God's process. God's process can be painful. It can take time, but it's the route to his promise. It's the only route to his promise. Skipping the, pro the process doesn't result in the promise, but always a problem. I'm thankful that God is able to allow us to take detours and redeem the, the situations that we mess up in our lives, but God would rather you complete the process and receive the full promise than for you to take a detour and for him to have to come to the rescue and settle for less than his best for your life. How many of you like to eat at Chick-fil-A? Any Chick-fil-A lovers, right? The great thing about Chick-fil-A is that it's just an incredible brand. They've done a great job of, of really establishing a, a quality product. And in fact, in six days, they make more money than most fast food places will make in seven days because of the brand that they have, because of the quality of the product. And, and the incredible thing about it is no matter where you eat it, you get the same experience. And it tastes the same because Chick-fil-A is not going to let you just take a, a sign and put their name on it. And then you say, I've got my own secret sauce. Forget Chick-fil-A. Forget Chick-fil-A sauce. i got my own sauce I'm going to smother on there. And we're going to call it Chick-fil-A, but we're going to do it my way. No, that's not what this is about. Chick-fil-A is not going to stand for that. With Chick-fil-A, there's a process, and it works, and it's proven, and it's solid, and it's a requirement, and it's not optional if you're going to be Chick-fil-A. Mm -hmm. See where we're going? It's the same thing with God's promise. God told them to dispossess the other gods. He said, you're going to seek the place the Lord your God will choose from among all the tribes to put his name there for a dwelling. All of this has to do, and he repeats it two or three times throughout the course of the verses that he wrote. It's all about the fact that God is intending to put his name, and where God puts his name, there's some requirements for that to happen. Then the place the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name, there you are to bring everything I command you. God has a plan and a promise, and he's chosen to attach his name to it. He's got a plan for your life, and he's willing to attach his name to it. He's got a plan for this church, and he's willing to attach his name to it. He's willing to call this the house of God and the people of God. But he says, if my people who are called by my name, there's a requirement, there's a process. And God told them this. Some things are going to have to change right now before you can go any further. What we're doing here today has to stop, he says. God's really getting up in their grill. <laughs> Maybe he's getting in our business, and that's for someone here today also. Everyone 
doing what's right in their own eyes have to, has, has to stop. Doesn't it sound like America in 2018? That's what he told the children of Israel, but it sounds like our world. And God sets up a situation that he does repeatedly throughout the Bible. It's an if-then promise. We like to remind God of the promises that he's made, but we don't like it when we get reminded of our part. Often we're waiting and we're saying, why hasn't God fulfilled what he's spoken? Why hasn't God done what he said? And we forget that he said, if you do this, then I will do this. And we're the ones that haven't held up our part of the bargain. There's things that we have to stop today to receive what he has for us tomorrow. There's things that we have to do differently. And if we do, then God has a promise that's waiting for us on the other side. We need to know today that a heart for the house means understanding that this is God's house, that this is his church, and we are his people called by his name. And if his name is on it, then what should be in it? Whatever is in it should be a direct reflection of the name that's on it. I said sometimes we're guilty of false advertising in the church. And what I mean by that is if God's name is on it, then what happens inside should reflect the name that's on it. Amen. Don't promote unity and mean gossip about people worse than anyone else in town. Don't talk about peace and then be a place where no one can get along with each other. Don't talk about God's love and forgiveness and then hold something against someone that they did 10 years ago. Come on, there has to be something that's different. People, people aren't going to come into a place where it's just like everywhere else they can go. There's people that are dreading going to Thanksgiving here in a couple of weeks because they're going to walk into a family situation. And that's the very reason that family situation is why they don't want to come to church. Because they have their fill of that at Thanksgiving and they don't need any more every Sunday when they walk into church. They're looking for something different. They want, they want when they see God's name to be on it for there to be something real that's happening there. If God's name is on it, then when we open the doors and see all the people, it better reflect God. God and not us. It ought to be the most loving and accepting place in town that where, where what unites us is greater than anything that otherwise would divide us. What a testimony that would be in today's world if Jesus was enough to bring together people and regardless of, of whatever else may be happening in their life. Amen. Let me tell you, I want to say this very cautiously because I think that you should go and vote. It's important, I would argue, not only civically but also as Christ followers that we have a responsibility in that arena as well. So I say this to say, yes, go vote. I'm glad you got your little I voted sticker, but I want you to realize that there's no one that was voted in on Tuesday. There was no name on the ballot Tuesday that's as big as the name of Jesus. There's no one that's ever going to do for you, regardless of who you voted for, regardless of who was elected. There's no one that's ever going to do for you what Jesus has already done. He's far surpassed the expectations that you can have for anybody else. It's only the name of Jesus. None of their names matter. My name doesn't matter. Jesus is what makes a difference. He's in us. God's name, and if his name is on us if his name is on it then it's got to mean something i believe that if god's name is on it then it ought to be a place where healing happens that if god's name is on it then it ought to be a place where chains are broken that, that, that where, where freedom from addictions is, is happening where god's name is on it it ought to be a place where marriages are restored where people are built up and encouraged and strengthened I believe that we won't be able to find enough chairs for all the people that will come once we realize what it means to be New Life Assembly of God. Yeah. I believe that there's not a building in Laramie that would be big enough if we realized and lived up to the name of God and what he has for us. Yes. Yeah. Amen. We set our sights on such small accomplishments. We get so excited by little bitty things. And God has something big in store for us. I'm not saying that we shouldn't celebrate. We should celebrate all along the way. And we celebrate a lot here. And I'm not going to apologize for it. We need to celebrate and continue to celebrate and celebrate some more. But there's bigger things that God has for us than what we have today. Today, if we're going to be who he's created us to be and do what he's created for us to do, then we're going to have to have a heart for his house. And it starts by first acknowledging that it's not my house. That it's not a house that's built by human hands. That it's not a testimony and a monument to what we're able to accomplish. That this is his house. I believe for every person here that God has a plan for you with his name on it. That God has a job for you with his name on it. He has a relationship for you. Come on, where's the single people? With his name on it. That God has a promise for you with his name on it. And what is it that needs to be dispossessed so that you can receive that promise? What false gods have been set up in the past in your life? What things have you put in the place of God? What things are there that need to be destroyed and things are there that don't belong in your life so that God can put his name on you and say, This is my son whom I'm well pleased. 
This is his house. We're his house. It's not the building that needs to be prepared. It's us. We, his people, need to be prepared. We've created something called going to church, but I'm not sure in the Bible that if you had talked to the early church, they would have even understood what that means. The church grew from 120 people to 3,120 people in one day. They didn't have a building that they were going to church. All they understood was that they themselves were the church. And the same is supposed to be true of us. I believe in the church. I believe uh, that God has intended us to be the hope for the world. And I believe that God's given wisdom and direction to people. And and that's the result of of what we have today and the way we do church. But I also believe that there's ways of doing church that people have never even dreamed of. That, That God has a plan and idea for how he's going to cause the church to evolve and to reach the world. And it may not look anything like what we have today, but God desires to do something new inside of us. It's not about buildings, it's about us. So when we talk about preparing the house, that is God's house, we're saying that we are God's house, that we are being prepared. Whether we meet in a building or in our workplace, in our house or a dorm room or somewhere in the community, it's in us. Wherever we are, we are his house. God instructed the people of Israel in order to receive the promise that was ahead of them, they had to clean house. God told them that they had to stop what was going on right then. They had to destroy the places of idolatry and false gods and the things that had been owned and occupied by the unrighteous. He uses serious words. He talks about destruction and knocking down and getting rid of and burning with fire. This isn't a joke to God. Total destruction would remove the future temptation, but too many times we allow something to to, to remain in a small form and we say, well, that's not going to be a big deal. I'm not going to completely get rid of it. I'm just going to keep this little part back. But what God is saying is you've got to completely remove that thing. You've got to cut it all the way out. Getting rid of what used to be and what could be and what might be. Taking down anything with any other name. A heart for the house begins by declaring this is God's house. And so today in New Life Churches, I believe that we're going from where we have been to where God is taking us in the future. There's some things that we have to do to prepare and some things that don't belong where we are going. You can't worship God with that thing. You need to get rid of it. You need to tear down those things that have another name on it. I see God taking us to promised lands where we've never been before and to places that we've never seen as a church. And God is preparing us for the new season and the new thing that he's doing in your life and the new thing that he's doing in the church. But there's some things that we're not going to be able to carry with us. Oh, there's some things that we'll take. There's some things that will be a part of it. I believe that the same attitude that got us here is what God's going to use in a greater way to take us where he wants to go. The desire to see Laramie and Albany County and Southern Wyoming come to know Jesus and be welcomed into a church family where God is glorified. I believe that's something that we're going to take with us. The passion for our community that motivates us to give and to serve and to love people, not because of what they can do for us or what they have done for us, but because of what God has already done for all of us and because that's his desire. I believe that the belief that that God has so much more for people and he desires to see people reached with the good news and that he has a purpose for every life, that's something that we're going to take with us. The value of the next generation that our kids and our students are priceless and they're worth investing into, that's something that we've got to take with us, but there's some things that don't belong. There's some things we can't take over if we're going to go where God wants to take us. There's some things with our own name written on it, and God says that doesn't belong in a place where my name's going to be on it. Maybe there's some unforgiveness in your life, or maybe there's something that's taken the place of God in your life. Maybe there's addictions and sin and things that you can't take into the promised land, and you've got to get rid of those before God can take you where he wants to lead you. Those things that have our own names written on it will never be a reflection of him. God says, this is my house. And that's our challenge today. Let's have a heart for the house that says, I want the promise of God and I'm willing to get rid of anything that doesn't belong so that I can go where I belong. I'm going to ask you guys to stand all over this place. And I want to ask you in this moment just to give reverence and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you in this moment. told the first service and I strongly believe this I'm excited that I don't have to preach this sermon because I'm dealing with some specific thing that I just don't like it's not that I would never do that there's no agenda there's no problem that we're dealing with as a result of this sermon I'm thankful that I just get to deliver a message and the Holy Spirit gets to apply it 
to each individual life because I have no idea what's going on in your heart. I have no idea what's going on in your life. I have no idea how the Holy Spirit has been working inside of you and talking to you about different areas of your life. I have no idea what it is that God wants for you to remove and to lay down. And the, the exciting thing is I don't even have to know. It can be between you and God. I just want you to begin to evaluate your own heart and what's going on inside of you right now. I wonder if anyone here today would say, I'm willing to give up so I can go up. I'm willing to clean house today because I recognize that this is God's house. I recognize that God has something greater for my life and God has something greater for my family. And so if there's anything inside of me, if there's anything inside of me that doesn't belong, that's going to keep me from everything that God has, I'm willing to lay it down, whatever it is. Is there anyone here that says that that's me today? I would lay down whatever it is so that I can have everything that God has. Would you just raise your hand if that's you? Anything that God speaks to me, I'm willing to put Isaac on the altar if that's what God says, even if I don't understand the plan. Awesome. God, you see the hearts, you see the hands, you see the desire for the things of God. So Holy Spirit, I pray over these next few minutes that you would begin to shine your light on the areas of our lives that don't belong. On the areas of our lives where we have stamped our name or we've elevated something in the place of God, where there's something that in the past has been a, 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 a struggle in our lives. It's been a stronghold that's kept us from where you want us to go. And we know that if we, don't, if we don't destroy those things when we're strong, it'll come back and kill us when we're weak. So God, I pray that we would starve out the sin completely out of our lives and the things that don't belong. God, even maybe some good things that are keeping us from greater things, God, that those things would be left behind today so that you can do what you desire to do. God, I believe that you have a plan and a purpose for every life in this building, that you desire to put your name on it, but you're not going to do it unless it's something worthy of your name. God, I believe every family in this room that you have a plan for them. It's a plan for good things. It's a plan to prosper them. But Lord, you're not going to put your name on that until, until it's ready. Lord, you've got us at a at a crossroads here today and we have to choose, we have to decide, we have to make the decision if we're gonna go through the process to receive the promise. God, I believe you have such incredible things that you desire to do inside this church that you wanna put your name on it. God, I believe that there's people that have had a bad experience in church because it's had, it's had maybe God's name on a sign but when they come in they found nothing that resembles your spirit and your presence and God, let that not be the case for this church today. God, I pray that we would be different, that we wouldn't just play church, that we wouldn't just assemble a group of people by our own efforts, but God, that we would be obedient to what you have for us, that we would be a house where your name is worthy of being there, that we would be obedient to your word and sensitive to your spirit, that people would come in and maybe for the first time they would experience something so different from anything else that they've ever experienced in church that they would experience people that are genuine and passionate after the things of God, that they would experience the love and the unconditional embrace of a father that was extended to each and every one of us. They would experience the power of God and people that are for real about God's presence, not just going through the routine of a, of a weekly checklist. God, we don't want to be a part of that. And you aren't going to put your name on something like that. So God, we pray that we would prepare our hearts, that we would prepare our lives, Lord, that whatever you would speak to us, we would obey. Today, I wonder if there's people in here that would say, you know what? It's not just a hypothetical if there was something that God were to speak to me. I would be willing to change. I would be willing to lay it down. But I wonder if there's some people here today that say, you know what, I know that there's things in my life that don't belong. 
I know there's areas of my life where I've stamped my name in big bold letters and it's my way. And I know there's things in my life that I've elevated in the place of God and that they have more importance and significance in my life than they should. And I know that inside of my life there's things that don't belong and today I want to lay those things down because I want to go where God wants me to be. I want to receive the things that he has for me. I don't want anything to hold me back. So today I raise my hand and say, you know what, there are things in my life that don't belong and today I want to lay those things down. Is there anybody here that would say today there's things in my life that I'm getting rid of? Awesome. Awesome. All across this room, there's things in my life that don't belong. There's things in my life that today I realize they're going to hold me back and that I'm going to get rid of them today. God, we thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for how you're speaking to people. We want to be the people called by your name. We want to be worthy of your name. As Jesse leads us, would you just, in your own words, in your own way, just communicate to God. We're not going to drag this out. I realize what time it is. But let's just take a moment and in your own way, deal with those areas of your life. Deal with those areas that God's speaking to you. If you want to come down to an altar, you can. If you want to make your chair an altar, you can. If you want to turn to the person next to you and ask them to pray for you, you can. But let's just take a moment and allow God to do what he wants to do here for just a moment. Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest. Without you, I fall apart, you're the Temptation comes. 